You are listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Forgiveness, Live It, from the series PT's Favorite Talk. For more info, visit creekside.org. Today's going to be the last day of the uh, forgiveness series, and it's going to take, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, well, similar, but different, I guess. I don't know. It's got a different flavor to it by the time I'm done. And uh, what I've received is either statements or comments or questions the last couple of weeks that people go, you know, PT, I get it, I understand it, I hear it. Um, how do I do it? And what does God think about this or that? So today, uh, for just a couple of minutes at the end, uh, I can't take them all, but if you want to text me a question, I will answer them. And this is my number here. Um, if you, yeah, I said, so are you really going to do this? I says, yeah, <laughs> Creeksiders are the most wonderful people in the world, and it's not like you would ever bug me, and um, so I trust you implicitly with, uh, my credit card number will not be up there, but um, here's my phone number if you want to send me a text during service about a question. It could be from the past, the present, uh, today, whatever. But uh, I, will, I will get to many, as many of them as I can. And so I got my phone. Just keep them on quiet, if you would, or just turn them to stun versus noise. And uh, we'll get through that, okay? And I'll, I'll take as many of those questions as I can at the end. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, we have a worship night a week, a worship and prayer night a week from uh, this coming Wednesday. We, we really believe those are important nights, loved ones, for our church. One of the things I want to ramp up is our ability to pray. Pray for our community. Pray for the needs. Uh, pray for people, and uh, so I want to invite you to come and be a part of that, and for those of you who have a greater uh, depth of love for worship, um, it's a great time where we spend more time in worship, and, and we'll also do prayer. Uh, men's prayer group will not be the second Wednesday. I'm moving it to our Friday morning group time because of the prayer and the uh, worship night on Wednesday so that we don't uh, kind of collide in our calendaring and expect people to be at so many different things. And guys, I, um, I, I just the, the guys I'm meeting with now are such a joy uh, to, to meet with. And if you can, if you would be interested and want to avail yourself, we're going to be starting a study in the life of David uh, this coming Friday. We go from six to seven. Some come late, some leave early. Whatever it is, or you're welcome to come. Just a great time. If you're a man and you want to connect with other men in a very casual, non-threatening environment. Um, I invite you to come and be a part of that. I know that for some, work makes it very prohibitive. But uh, if you can, this might be a great opportunity for you to kind of stretch and grow some of your spiritual muscles uh, in a way being just with other men. So uh, I I love the group, and it's probably my favorite time of the week just to meet with them. So be part of that. Fall growth groups will be advertising those next week and invite you to be a part of those. Class 101, 201, and... 301 will be coming up, information's in your program. Father, your word is a light unto our feet, a lamp unto our path, and so I pray that this morning it would be that for each one of us, and we thank you for the great privilege of gathering together in Jesus' name, amen. I was watching last night uh, Apollo 13, the movie, Uh, just incredibly, it's so moving. I find as I get uh, older... um, my eyes sweat more, and, and um, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know why, but it just happens. And um, 
And so I was watching this movie, and I was just so moved by the, the, the things that Gene Kranz at, at Mission Control there was doing and telling guys, get on it, make it, I don't care, do it. And I just thought, man, what an incredible leader. And their whole mission, you, you, you remember, is they had all these problems with Apollo 13, we're going to land on the moon, had to circle back and couldn't get, they didn't know if they are going to be able to get them home. And so this whole show, the whole movie, is the process they went through. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so invigorating to watch that and then to see it come about and to realize what they went through. And as I was watching that, I thought, what a, what a powerful microcosm of the church. What a beautiful picture of how the church should be. It doesn't matter. Get it done. Make it happen. Well, this won't fit in here. Do it. We have a mission. And I want to come back to that in just a minute as I talk about forgiveness, living it, and passing it on. I want to just remind us of a couple of things and make sure we know this about forgiveness. First of all, Jesus offers and, offers and gives to us and expects us to forgive. We're expected to forgive because we've been forgiven such a great debt. This is obviously a little bit of a review. Forgiven people do what? They forgive. People that are loved do what? They, 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 they love. Jesus taught in Matthew 6, 12. He said, pray like this, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the essence of what Jesus is saying is simply this. Father, I want you to forgive me even as I forgive others like you do. It's kind of this law, almost this law of reciprocity where we learn that however I forgive, that's what I'm expecting God to, how to forgive me. Uh, fortunately, it doesn't work that way, but the same idea is there that however he has forgiven me, then that's what I need to do for you and to give to everybody around me. And we never want to forget that. Never forget that, loved ones. That's our call. Uh, secondly, if it will affect our worship with Jesus, our forgiveness and our un. Forgiveness. I want you to hear what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Matthew 5, verse 23. Uh, most of us are probably aware of this, but it's, it's just a, uh, a wonderful reminder that I, was, that I thought of this past week. Jesus is talking during the Sermon on the Mount. It's really the, the, the MO, the modus operandi for a kingdom liver, for a person that's going to follow Jesus. And he says this in, in chapter 5, verse 23. So if you are offering a gift on the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother and then come back and offer your gift. He's kind of talking like a church service, you know, like a place where you're going to go worship God. And he says, if you're sitting there and all of a sudden you remember something, what's interesting, he doesn't say if you remember something you've got against somebody. He says, if you remember that your brother or your sister or somebody has against you, then you go back. You just, you just kind of leave your, your little money package there and money envelope and you go take care of it. Now, some of us are going, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? Do you mean like every time I think of somebody that has something against, not just that I've got against them, but somebody's got something against me, I've got to go take care of it? Uh, not quite, because for some of you, that might be a full-time job. Or for some of us, that might be like a full-time job. But what he's saying here is when, you, when you're in this time of worshiping God, whether it's in the morning when you're just you know, having coffee and reading the Bible or 
praying or however you do your, your time with Jesus to start your day or end it. Or if you're even here today and all of a sudden you remember someone's got something against you and the spirit begins to quicken you, go take care of it, he's saying. Move on it. Because if you don't, it can ultimately cause you issues and it will begin to neutralize your ability to worship. Have you ever had a problem with one of your spouses or children during the week that really just kind of was bigger than big? And, and, and Sunday's coming, and what did you begin to do and think? Has anybody ever, oh, let's, a true confession, has anybody ever like had a big blow up on Saturday night or Sunday morning and you knew church was coming? A couple of you honest ones here, okay. Well, a couple years ago or months, I can't remember what it was, um, I, I had a disagree, Trina and I don't really fight, we, after you know, 48 years or whatever it was, we, we don't fight much. But every once in a while, we'll have a disagreement. And she's in here, and she'll attest to this, so I'm not making this up. But um, I think she's in here. She better be in here, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so it was, it was a while back, and we had this disagreement. I was right. And um, <laughs> no, really, I was. And she, and she thought she was right. And, and so th- this thing started probably on a Saturday morning and kind of just went through the day. And it was kind of, you know, detente and Cold War and all those kinds of things. And, and I went, and I, I just didn't take care of it because I was right. So I get up the next morning and I, you know, I do my usual Sunday morning get ready routine. I'm standing in front of the mirror and the Lord says, you know something, you've got a couple of options here. And, and God speaks to me, not audibly if you're not familiar with that, but I mean, there's, a, there's, this, there's this download of data in, in nanoseconds. And he basically said this, you can either go make it right with your wife or, and, and determine to be holy and healthy, or you can continue to be right, and I will not go with you today. <laughs> well, I had to stop and think, and I go, well, but I'm Right? It's a matter of principle. Have you ever done that? And at that point, God says, okay, listen, right now I'm going to deal with your head, your heart, and your humility because all three of those need to be touched by me. And then I remember this little simple verse that's really sweet, Romans 5, 8, that says this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he downloads Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves your church, as, as Christ loves the church. So the church was, you know, we were sinners when Jesus died for us. So while she is sinning, I still have to go and take care of it. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad she doesn't get the microphone. I, uh... Because truthfully, she wasn't sinning. It's, I'm just kidding about that. It was really my, my sin, my issue. And the Lord said, take care of it. And this is what I realized. When you don't take care of these little things, loved ones, it will ultimately neutralize your worship and, and, and how you relate to God and to receive from him. That's how important it is. So listen, when God speaks to you about taking care of it, here's a truth we've got to remember. Take care of it. Uh, another point that I want us just to be aware of is Romans 12. Uh, let Jesus do his work. Even when someone is sorry and they've apologized, maybe they've asked your forgiveness, they've repented, they just, they've done all the right things, but they caused you so much pain. There's something in your life that causes that pain again to bubble to the surface. Have you ever had that happen in a relationship? And you hang on to the wrong that someone has done to you. And, and you really do kind of think you're punishing them. Uh, but you're just punishing yourself. 
Let go. Leave the vengeance to Jesus. Our call, loved ones, is to love. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church uh, at Rome. And, and, and remember, the, the, uh, Romans is a really theological book. The first 11, 11 chapters are so full of theology. It's rich. It's deep. It's wonderful. It explains who God is and his goodness toward us and how he died for us. And then chapter 12 through 16 is all about the application of what he has done. And so he says this in chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse... Uh, 19. He says, if possible, 18, if possible on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, God's wrath, God's vengeance. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Yes! (laughs) Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Ah, Well, let me give you a little insight there. See, in Paul's day, when a fire went out in a home, it was difficult to reignite it. So a fire went out, someone would have to go carry live coals Uh, in a clay jar on their heads to share it with the person who had no fire. So here, the implication here is not one of burning one's enemy. (laughs) I know, like, oh, you (laughs) I thought I had a go pass there. No. It's not burning your enemy. It's about blessing and warming them to ultimately win them to the kingdom. That by your kindness... You overcome any evil that has been done for you. And as you do this, you begin to learn to give over, to let go of, to give to the creator who will be the ultimate judge. And that's why at the end, we'll talk about this in a minute, but, but, the, but at the judgment, see, it all comes out. God will equalize everything. Well, it doesn't help me now. I know. I know. But in the end, he will. And that's what we get to trust. There was a lady who once asked Corey Tinboom, who was uh, a Nazi prisoner back in World War II, and just a gracious woman of God who was very simple yet very just straightforward in her faith and her ability to forgive. And, and this lady comes up to her after she spoke, and she said, you know what, Corey, e- e- even though... I've forgiven, I believe, the pain just hasn't gone away. And Corey explained it like this. She gave her this little word picture. And she said, it's like pulling on the rope of a church bell. After you let go of the rope, the bell continues to swing and make noise. But if you hold on and don't truly let go, the bell will continue just to go and make noise because you're going to be pulling on it and trying to control it. But if you truly, fully let go, the bell slows and stops and goes silent. She said, in the same way, when we forgive the pain and hurt, it's going to ring for a while. But if we understand the essence of forgiveness, which is to send away and to let go, guess what? It will slow down and it will cease ringing in our soul. Or we'll always be able to revisit it, but over time it will be so diminished. Let go of the rope. Choose to send it away. Let the ringing stop and give it to Jesus so that he can begin to take care of the situation and bring health and hope to your lives. 
Now, let me tell you a couple of things that we need to know about God's forgiveness. I said a couple of weeks ago that when Jesus died on the cross, he shouted, it is finished. It wasn't because his pain ended, but it's because the pardon of every one of your sins was taken care of in forgiveness. Now, hear me. This is what really sometimes we forget. It wasn't just for your good people's sins. It was for the sins of humanity. It was for every sin that was committed in the past. It was for every sin that has been committed and will be in the present. And it's for every sin that will be committed henceforth and forevermore by every living person. Jesus paid for the whole world and the totality of humanity. And sometimes we forget that, we forget that which makes it difficult to, to, to really forget. And to for, or to forgive and move toward forgiving. Listen to what Colossians 1.19.20 says. It says, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. Why? Because through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through what? His blood that was shed on the cross of Jesus Christ. The essence, friends, loved ones of the gospel. What was reconciled to God? All things. Every one. And God did this through Jesus' death on the cross, including everything and everyone. Did you know that you can say with biblical confidence to anyone and to everyone's, your sins are forgiven and you are reconciled to God? Well, why is that so important? Because people live with such a boatload of guilt, such a dump truck of regret in their lives. They're carrying it around. Even through this series, I've heard a number of you email me or ask me questions that go, PT, I just, I, I, I hear it, I know it, but I don't get it. I can't feel it. I can't, almost feel like I can't receive it. And I go, if we're hearing the message and we come and we worship this God of the message, how much more difficult for people out there that need to hear this message that your sins are forgiven and you are reconciled to God. Now, some of you theologians out there, you're thinking, well, doesn't the Bible, some people you know, experience eternal judgment, go to hell? Absolutely, they do. Well, then uh, square this away with me theologically, PT, that how, how can everyone be reconciled to God and forgiven of God? Are, are you talking universalism here? Well, some of you go, well, what's universalism? Well, it's the belief that in the end, everyone will be saved. And there's two types of universalistic thinking. There's one thought that basically is the people that really don't have any kind of biblical, theological God persuasion. They just think there might be a God, and they know this God of love. And so their hope is that everybody will just kind of funnel up into heaven because, well, we just want a happy ending, don't we? And this is a God of love. Oh, yeah, but you see, this is a God of love. And I'm probably going to talk about this either next week or the week after better than brimstone because we have to understand this thing. That there is the love of God, but there's the justice of God. There's the mercy and the grace of God, but there's this God who's universally just. And he will have the final say. Not because he's mad at the world, but because he's just and he's right and he's perfect in his love. 
in his mercy and his execution of judgment, which really becomes the final payback for all of life. So if, if, if not everybody is saved, there's, there's Christian universalists now, some very prominent ones who point to verses like these and they say, well, you know, they'll argue that God's grace is so much bigger than man's sin. It is, thank God. And his love and his mercy will triumph in the end. It does, it will, but the Bible clearly says that some people will not be saved but will go to hell. I wish, I, I wish everyone was saved. I hope you do too. I hope you pray for people around you. Here's why, because that's God's heart. That's what he wishes. Listen to these scriptures, just a couple. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, to die in their sins, but everyone to come to repentance, to turn to him. 1 Peter 2, verses 3 and 4, he says this, This is good. It pleases God, our Savior, who wants all, not a few, not some, not the chosen, all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants everyone, all people, to come to repentance. Yet not everyone will. Okay, what's the deal? Well, Jesus sent his disciples out to preach the gospel of repentance for forgiveness. Remember, that's really where we started three weeks ago, Acts 2.38. Peter's speaking to the people on the day of Pentecost. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the message? Repentance for forgiveness. What is repentance quick review. Don't ever forget this because it's not crying at the altar. That can be part of it. It's not, you know, not deciding I'm not going to smoke and chew and go with girls who do. It's, 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 you know, it's, 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 this is what it is. Metanoia, the Greek word is metanoia. It means to change your mind. It means to do a 180. And it means that you're going this direction. All of a sudden, there's this revelation of the life of God where maybe you were doing this or not doing this or thinking this or not thinking this. And all of a sudden, you realize, i got to change my direction. I never used to think that was necessarily bad or wrong. And then all of a sudden, God spoke to me or I read about it or I heard it. And I go, oh, my gosh, I can't live that way anymore. And not only does it change your thinking, but then it changes your walk. And you not only think differently, but you live differently. You walk differently. There's different priorities. There's different character points of development because now you're walking with the living God who doesn't want to just simply change your life. He wants the best for your life. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to grace your life with power and goodness. So here's the big question. Does God forgive us before we repent? Yes. That's why we can declare to people, you are forgiven. You are reconciled to God because it happened 2,000 years ago. The cross. That changes everything. So all that has to happen now is that we get to speak to people about their debt to God. But what Jesus has done, they're already reconciled. They're already forgiven. What's the key? They've got to embrace. They've got to receive. There's a letter, and there's an envelope on your table there. I'd like for everyone to have one. I go to these <clears throat> uh, regional board meetings for our denomination once or twice a year. I go to 
our missions board meetings a couple of times a year. You know, they're kind of fun. I mean, just board meetings all day. But what's really fun is I walk into the room. I go into the room, and you know what they do? They give me an envelope. And there's an envelope with my name on it. You know what's in that envelope? Cash, currency, greenbacks. I love that. You know what it's called? A stipend. Because I am traveling and taking my time to go there. They say, we're going to give you some money. Take care of your meals, a few incidentals that you might have here and there. So I open it, I smell it, I count it. (laughs) And I stick it in my pocket because I know now I'm not going to have to use my American Express, which is really sweet. Now, here's the deal, loved ones. They pay for it. They take care of everything when I go there. But you know what? If I walk in there and say, I don't want that envelope. I got, my, I got my MX. I'm ready right here. You know, how stupid is that? It's not very smart because then I got to pay for everything. And there's a lot of people that think they can cover and pay for their sins in a lot of different ways. Go to church, throw money in the box, think they're a good enough person. It's not true, loved ones. You have to be able to say, Man, God's given me an envelope with my name on it. And he says here, everything's paid, but you've got to take it. You've got to open it. You've got to receive it. And what I want you to do this morning, loved ones, is never forget that forgiveness that you've received. And if you've done that, I want you to write your name right now on that envelope. And if you, and maybe you've never done this, and you say, I need that. I, I want to receive that. Write your name for the first time and say, God, I'm, I'm buying in. I'm going to receive the gift. Go ahead. Write your name on it this morning. And if you've done it for years, if you've known Jesus for years, that's what I did. I never want to forget. Man, paid in full. I don't have to pay the price. Wherever I go, I can experience the freedom and forgiveness of sin. I love it. Now, save that envelope because we're going to come back to it in a minute. So what do we need to do for others? We need to share the good news of full forgiveness. Here's where we make a transition, really, from the last two weeks. John 20, verses 21 through 23 says this. Jesus, he's resurrected. He's in this room with his disciples who are scared spitless because they don't know what's going to happen. They think they're going to die. And Jesus looks at them and he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And there's a whole lot of stuff here. This is going to be part of our Easter message this year. When I talk about the breath of God, but he, he does this and he breathes. And most of us believe that it's, it's, it's the breath of life that gives his disciples, his followers, this, quote, born-again experience that each one of us have entered into with Jesus. And as he, he says, if, 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 if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, They're not forgiven. Oh, you might be thinking, I I, I thought only God forgives sins. I mean, there's that passage in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus is working with these four guys to heal his friend, and, and he speaks forgiveness to them, and they discuss that. And he says, yeah, that's true. Only I, only God can forgive sins, but that's to prove that I am God. Hear me, loved ones, only God can forgive a person's sins. But once we enter into this relationship with the triune God, never forget Jesus is saying here, he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you have been empowered. 
You have the spirit of the living God in you to be empowered to go and do what I have done. Well, really? Yes. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. Aren't you glad about that? So many of you are in here, I love this. You are new creations. And people look around and they go, whoa, that can't. A new creation. I remember seven years ago. Whoo, thank God, you know. And, and, and isn't, you know, Trina says that all the time about me, you know. Thank God he's changing. And, and, and some of you know the same thing is about your life. God's at work. He's changing you. And you have become a new creation. Why? All of this is from God. Why? Because he reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he gave us the ministry. He's given you now the ministry. He reconciled us to himself, to the Father. Now he says, I'm giving this ministry to you. Why? To reconcile the world to himself in Christ. He's no longer counting people's sins against them. Why? Ah, they're forgiven. They're forgiven. And he's committed to us. You, 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 me. The ministry and the message of reconciliation is we therefore are Christ's ambassadors on this foreign land that we're living in. We're representing Jesus. Though God were making his appeal through us, we're speaking for God. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled. Here we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. We're his spokesmen, his representatives. We do not provide forgiveness, but hear me. We do have the privilege to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Your sins are forgiven. You can be, are, will, by your choice, reconciled to the living God. Turn to him for forgiveness. Then envelop, then you'll see this envelope with your name on it. And all you got to do is pick it up and open it and receive it. Oh, God, thank you, Isaiah Beale. How cool is that? Stick it in your back pocket and carry that around. Next time the devil says anything, just go, back off, Jack. <laughs> Paid for in full right there. Don't bug me. We have a community of loved ones that needs to hear it. Apollo 13 last night. I was thinking as I'm watching it, what a precious and powerful metaphor of the church. Gene Krantz is sitting there, the director, and he's, he's the big dog in charge, and he's, he doesn't know a lot of fluff about him. He just says, after they're going, he says, listen, they're looking at this round cylinder, and they've got to put a square thing in it, and he goes, I don't care. Do it. Don't talk to me about it. Go figure it out. Go. Go, go, go. Get out of here. The mission is what is important. He's sitting there, the director, the NASA director is behind him talking negatively. He says, this could be the worst disaster of NASA's ever faced. Gene Krantz turns around in kind of his crusty old way. He says, with all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. I love that. I'm tired of the church, not this church, the church talking about all of the, all the issues of the world. Oh, poor us. We just know there's so much sin. There's so, are you kidding me? This has to be our finest hour. It's got to be. 
And then Krantz goes on and he says, with all due respect, it's going to be our finest hour. And he says, we've never lost an American in space. We're sure as heck not going to lose one on my watch. Failure is not an option. Bring them home. And I thought, isn't that what we're called to do? Bring people home to Jesus. But we forget. We get busy. We get tangled up in the affairs of the world. And I, I, and I, I am putting a full court press on our staff. That's me. We are going to start thinking like, like Gene Krantz. Figure out how to put a square peg in a round hole. I don't care. We've we got to bring people home to Jesus. I'm going to talk about a series. I'm going to, series I'm going to call it Imagine in October. Imagine what we can do, loved ones, as a community that reaches into our schools and really infuses them with the life of God because we care. Imagine what we can do if we're not just doing events and activities, but we're establishing points of ministry to people's deepest needs, not just entertaining them, but we're speaking to their deepest needs. Imagine what we could do to bring people home to Jesus. I want this to be Creekside's finest hour. I want this to be the church's finest hour. Our church could just kick back, but we can't. We have got to move with a focus to make sure we're bringing people home. We share the good news. We must embody it. Last thing, we've got to create environments full of forgiveness. So many church environments are characterized by shame or guilt. People carry heavy burdens, and some of us, maybe even in this room, we're never around people that are hurting. We're never around broken people. We're never around really sinful people. And so when we, when we, we start rubbing shoulders with them, instead of the compassion of Jesus, it's easy to start thinking, oh, what a loser. I sure don't want to hang with this person. And I'm not saying we've got to hang with them, but I am saying this, loved ones, we've got to be ready for them. And we've got to have an environment that when people come and all their brokenness and all their shame and all their boatloads of junk, that they know they can come and empty the trash and we won't just pile more on them. Hear me. We will call sin, sin. You know I will do that. I'll confront, I'll challenge, I'll preach the word. But in the context of that, we still have to make sure our environment says you are welcome here to experience the love and acceptance and forgiveness of God himself through us as his people. And we can never allow ourselves to get too far removed from the brokenness of humanity where we become jaded to it. It starts in our homes, our families, our communities. We've got to promise each other, I'm going to forgive you. Blow it. Forgiveness is not a question. We need to have an environment of forgiveness in our church and churches. Sometimes Christians can be so mean and unforgiving. People leave churches mad over the smallest things. They've been forgiven everything and so much, yet they can't seem to find it in their hearts to forgive the smallest, pettiest, littlest things. 
Jesus said it this way in John 13, 34 and 35. He said, a new command I give to you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. People walk in here, loved ones, they got to feel a different environment and culture. they got to know this is a place where they're going to be loved, accepted, forgiven. And we have to be that. We have to be Jesus' heart in his hands and extended to help bring people home. That's our mission. That's our call. I can't forget it. We got to figure it out. And then we got to do it. Amen. That's why we're forgiven. So we can take that message anywhere, everywhere, to anyone, for everyone. Amen. Period. I have to do this quickly. Oh, here's what I want you to do with the envelope. This is our mission. I want us to remind us, me, our staff, our church. Is there somebody, somebody's this week that you need to go and begin to pray for? My prayer is that this week we will come in contact with people that need this message. I'm not talking about preaching at them, but I'm talking about being willing to share that they are reconciled to God. They are forgiven by God. But they do have to respond. And I don't know how that works out in your context, but I know how it works out in mine. And this is my prayer, that we will be open for business and willing to share. But if we're not thinking about it, it won't be on the front burner. So I want you to take your envelope and write a name or two on there. And then take this envelope with you and thank God that you understand you've been reconciled and forgiven. But there's other people that need it. Amen? Okay, let's see if any of you texted me. If not, we're done. Okay? Uh, There's a movie out there called The War Room that is about the power of prayer, but it is only playing in Richmond which I think is racist because it's about a black family, but I believe we make a request to our theaters in Walnut Creek or Pleasant Hill. They will have to show uh, times. Uh, Yeah, by all means, go ahead. Let people know. I don't know that I'm not going to, I wouldn't go as far as to personally say that it's a racist thing. A lot of times small budget movies are just given certain places where they think that it will do well, and therefore they... You know, they see how it plays out there and then determine whether to expand it. And that's whether it's Christian or non-Christian. So, um, but yeah, call our theaters and by all means ask about it. Thank you. Uh, I tell you, last week was just a wreck during, uh, I was just a wreck uh, during and after service. So question is, how do you maintain forgiving when the person you forgive doesn't stop doing the stuff you are trying to forgive? Uh, what, what about the person is a relative of yours? There's just such crazy junk going on there. Uh, at this point, another relative and I are sneaking around this other relative just to see each other so that uh, other without the toxic stuff that goes on, I just can't quite resolve myself with the forgiveness versus dislike for this person. Great question. Uh, it was another question was asked during first service, the same kind of thing. Can I marginalize? Can I margin myself? Yes. 
If there's somebody, I'm, and, and I'll just be really honest with you, I'm in a relationship right now, a person I love deeply and greatly, but I've been hurt deeply and greatly over and over and over and over again, and I'm a pastor. I'm a person, and I'm trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I be like Jesus and yet protect myself in a way that needs to be protected. And I'm talking now to this person that said that. There are times, loved ones, where you, you would be unhealthy to stay in that toxic situation where somebody could continually trespass upon your personal boundaries to where they are continually hurting you. You know, if I come to work on Tuesday and Dustin's the biggest staff guy and he pops me in the jaw... You know, next on Wednesday, I'm going to be ready for him. Uh, a couple of things could happen. I'll either pop him back on Wednesday, which would, not, which would be taking vengeance, so I can't do that, or I can forgive him and say, you're fired, and that's our margin. <laughs> or if it's a family member, I can just say, I tell people this all the time. If, you, if, if a family member is abusive to you verbally or emotionally, you, you, you let them know. And just say, I'm sorry, as long as you talk to me like that, I cannot talk to you. Thank you. Goodbye. Boom. I told you about a gal in church one time. She, I went to visit her. Now, this wasn't abuse, but this is the principle. She said to me, she, I'd go visit her, and, and this is early in my ministry. She was old, and she says, all the other pastors visited me. Why don't you? And I said, honey, listen, I'm trying to build a church. I'm not here to have crumpets and tea with all of the people. God's called me to a mission. And I'm here today. And here's what's going to happen because we've had this conversation three times now. You're either going to enjoy this next 25 minutes with me with tea and crumpets and you're going to just be happy and I'm going to be happy and we're going to spend our time together or I will not come back. Guess what? She never once again complained about me not coming or when I was going to come. And that's what you have to do with people. You have to set some holy, godly, personal boundaries if people are pummeling you and hurting you. You don't have to take that. Do you have to forgive them? Absolutely. But then it's up to you to be healthy enough that you don't let their unhealthiness trespass upon what you are trying to do health-wise. Well, because see, love doesn't mean I got to spend time with you. Because there's just some people you can't spend time with. The question I've, I've talked with some of our law enforcement guys over the course of two weeks and they say, man, PT, you know, you're talking about all this stuff. And they all said it in different ways. But, you know, how does this work out when I'm dealing with perpetrators? Oh, totally different. You know, you know PT, I can't go up to a guy and go, well, uh, could you just please put these handcuffs on? <laughs> uh, duh. I don't know their world, but I know I wouldn't want to be in it. And I know I would do what they do, which is you won't listen. Now you got, uh, I'm coming and hell's coming with me. And some of the language I'm going to use sounds like hell, but that's all they understand. You see, you have to be able to contextualize truth in a way that, 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 that protects you. Now, police work is different than families. I'm not saying you would use the same language with somebody who's abusing you in your family, okay? Think. But I said to one of them, I said, I don't think Jesus is, you know, is up there going, oh my gosh, those naughty words, please. No. That's all they know. You've got to be intimidating sometimes. Not, you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, sorry. 
I, got, um, I hope that helps somebody, but um, you don't have to spend time with people, and you don't have to hide around. I mean, unless you're a teenager and you're living in that home, you, you, you have to be able to be respectful and say, this is what we're going to do, and, and I can't allow you to be abusive emotionally, physically, or um, verbally to me. phones. Wow, there's a lot of questions here. Um, What do you do when you've gone to someone to reconcile but they continue to reject you? Love them. Pray for them. Period. Don't go back if you've already tried once. Don't go back again and again. You've done it once. If you you took responsibility for your part, then don't take this haughty, I'm a better Christian or better person than you. Just say, okay, I tried. Remember what it says. As far as it is up to you, Romans 12, 19, as far as it's up to you to live at peace, do it. But if they won't let you, that's all right. You back off. You did your part. Now you just say, God, I've released them to you. Not like, <laughs> break their arms. But it's, God, I, I, I can't deal with this. I can't change this. I can't help the situation. Only you can change their hearts. And then you make them part of your prayer list to say, I'm going to pray for them today, tomorrow, and continue to pray for them that God would speak to them in love and grace. Okay? Um, are there unforgivable sins? Yes. One. One. This is a whole talk and a whole teaching, but I'll just give it to you. Uh, this is the one unforgivable sin, rejecting Jesus. Everybody in this room and in this world that is now and will be born will have an envelope that says paid in full. Take this money and use it for your sins, for your life. The one unpardonable sin for any person is not picking this up and rejecting Jesus Christ. That is what will ultimately send somebody to hell. Nutshell. Does that make sense to you? Because a lot of people, listen, if you're worried about unpardonable sin, you probably haven't, you're not committing it because you want to know what's right. Okay, uh, fitting a square peg into a round hole requires softening the edges. Yes, absolutely right. Um, uh, when we've let go of the rope to the bell, should we, can we pursue a healthy relationship with the one that we've forgiven? How do we do that? We always, hear me, we always pursue relationship with that person if the bridge is open. I tell people this all the time, never blow up the relational bridge because sooner or later, one of you will have to, or both will have to tra- traverse across it and never blow it up. But I am in this situation right now with, in my situation, I can't travel that bridge. I'm not going to blow it up, but I can't travel it. I don't have the emotional strength and wherewithal to do it. This is what I know about me. I know I'll be able to at some point, but I know right now I can't. I was telling first service, and I've told the story here. There was a person that tried to get me removed from this church 22 years ago. It took me seven years to forgive him because of the way that it was done and all of this stuff. It took me seven years. But now I see this person intermittently and it's fine and, I, and I, I, I'm going to take them out to breakfast sometime and just say, you know what? Aren't you glad the past is the past? But it took me seven years. I'd, see, I'd hear the name. I'd see the person. My gut would be in a knot. 
But I always knew that I would be able to forgive and I'd have to do the relational thing. And that's happened. There's no relationship that I have, and I've had some really difficult ones, um, that, that I haven't been able to cross the bridge, except for the one I'm in right now. And you have to make that decision every day. And it happens because you're praying for them and, and, and open to God working in you and through you. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I got one more. And then, and then what I'm going to ask you to do... Um, go and get your kids, okay? Because <laughs> I'm going five minutes over my, my drop dead time. Here, this is a great question. Here it is. How do you know when you have forgiven somebody? Two parts to this that I know of in my own life. Number one, when I started making the decision. And if you have someone to forgive and you haven't really done it, today, to now, before you leave, make the decision. God in your strength and power, I am going to forgive you. Forgive them. And then, listen, make it a point for however long it takes. It took me seven years that whenever you think about them and that gut, that feeling in your gut, that pain in your head, that, 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 that trespass in your heart, every time that comes, you pray for them. Not for, get, not, not for God to zap them, but for God to help you work through it with them. And then you know what? Pretty soon the bell will quit ringing. Ringing. That's how I knew I had forgiven this person. One time I went up and I was playing softball and I saw this person for the first time in my life. I didn't have a knot in my gut. And I go, wow, this is weird. And then all of a sudden I go, wow, I can't wait to talk to him. And now we exchange professional things every now and again. That's how you know. Remember this, Christians think that forgiveness is, I forgive you, and then everything's fine. No, I forgive you, and it's a process, it's a journey. We're not God, we're people hurting humans. Give yourself the room, but make sure you, you, you walk the road. <laughs>